Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We have a spectacular episode for you today. All of us are here, Devin, Justin, Heather, and we will be talking about the incomparable, the unstoppable, the amazing John Wick. So with John Wick 3 Parabellum, Parabellum, oh, I fucked that one up. John Wick 3 Parabellum, we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. We are going to start this off in reverse clockwise order on my computer screen. So we are going to start with Heather. What did you like about John Wick 3? Okay, John Wick 3. So the thing that stands out most of what I really liked is the cinematography and just the way that everything is shot is beautiful. Even like the opening credits, everything, it was just beautiful. So um, it honestly, it's one of those, it's, it might be one of the most visually all around appealing movies that I've seen. It's it's just so, it looks so cool and awesome. Um, I mean, it's the same with the others too. This franchise has always been kind of good about that, but um, it just really drops you into the John Wick world. And it feels like it's just its world of its own and, and just how they shoot everything. So that's definitely something that I love about these movies. Um, the fight sequences obviously are excellent. Um, and this one, notably the one where he's teamed up with Halle Berry is memorable to me. I really liked that whole that whole sequence and that whole scene that they did, especially because of the dogs. The dogs were really awesome. Um, I liked that they they didn't make like in the fight scenes. I like that they don't really make him seem untouchable necessarily like it he still takes some hits and everything but he's just kind of <laughs> he's he's still just invincible because he always wins anyway but they make it to like at least like a fair fight like he does take some hits and i appreciate that they don't make it seem like he's never been injured ever you know so i appreciated that um the violence was a bit excessive in some parts like the opening fight scene in the library was pretty brutal <laughs> um but it really set the tone of you know, the idea that John Wick means business and, you know, he's going to fight to survive kind of thing. So it was really cool. And I like also the I feel like they have really quirky characters in this one that were good, like the um, ad, adjudicator, I think is how she said it. Adjudicator. Adjudicator. adjudicator yeah. She was kind of almost robotic, but it worked for what her job was and what she was supposed to be. So that was an interesting character um, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you don't really feel like she had any emotion. She was just all business, you know? So um, she was an interesting character. And then Ian McShane was pretty enjoyable as usual. And um, Lance Reddick, that I guess, what was he, the concierge or whatever his job is there at that hotel? Yes. Um, yeah. So I really liked his character a lot, too. And um, I mean, I like him in most things. You know, obviously people probably know him from The Wire or Fringe or Lost. He's a really just good character actor. I've always just really liked him. But um, and then the the guy that plays Zero, I'm escaping his name right now. But the main kind of villain that he fights at the end, um, he's really good, too. I've seen him in other stuff. He's a he's a good fighter and he's really good in action movies as well. That's Martin Dacascos. Big in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually used to really love this really terrible movie he was in when I was younger. So I remember him. I just couldn't remember the his Capoeira name. movie. Uh, Are you talking about that one? Which one? With the banana way, the Capoeira movie. Yes. Are you talking about that? Yes. 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 Only the strong. Only the strong, baby. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's such a terrible movie, but my brother and I watched it all the time. It's so 90s. It's insane. But yes. Um... And also Halle Berry obviously was great. I, I loved Halle Berry. I think she's really great, but she was just good with her whole 
you know, I owe you, but I still hate you kind of mentality that she had with John Wick. You know, she just gets the job done. Um, also, a random shout out to, um, oh, what's his name? The comedian, Jason Manzukas, I think. Manzukas. Uh, Manzukas, yeah. Um, you know, just as like Lawrence Fishburne's helper person or whatever he was. Obviously, he's, you know, well known as being a comedic actor. It was just like, it was just kind of amusing to see him in this because honestly, it was such a small role that it really could have gone to literally anyone. <laughs> but it just, it was just amusing to me that it was him of all people. I, I liked it. I didn't expect it. I actually also expected that he would die, but he didn't. So <laughs> I just, I just thought it was a kind of amusing little thing because it was such a random character, but um, I just thought it was funny that he was in it. Um, anyways, but yeah, so I like the storyline of this one a lot. It just kind of picks up pretty much right where it seems to have left off from the last one. Um, you kind of see him continuing this journey and really letting his love for his wife and wanting to stay alive to remember her kind of being his driving force for why he does basically everything that he does, which it's kind of always been his mindset, even from the first one. Um, but even after all that he's survived and everything he's been through, it just hasn't really changed, you know, him wanting to keep her memory alive. So he's just someone that really has nothing else to hold on to, but he still wants to survive for that one reason. So that's always been a, an admirable kind of endearing quality about John Wick that I've liked. Um, it makes him, you know, relatable and human. And I just really like seeing that about him. Um, what else? I mean, I just think, I don't know. I, I feel like this role really kind of, in a way, reinvigorated Keanu Reeves' career, at least since The Matrix. <laughs> um, it just kind of gave him this sort of unexpectedly amazing comeback and essentially gave him one of the most memorable roles that he's had, honestly. Um, I mean, I've always been a fan of Keanu. There's just something likable about him. Like, even if he doesn't always pick the best movies or give the most consistently good performances, he's just likable. And he just does his thing. So I just love, I love him for, like, being in a role like this because I just really don't think it would have worked as well if there were anyone else. He brings this, like, I don't know, like a reserved, emotionally restrained kind of quality to the character. I just don't think it really would have been as good with any other action star. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and what else? Oh, so another thing I do enjoy is, um, well, this, I mean, the story is just not overly complicated or complex. And I think that's kind of how all of them have been really, but it tells the story that it needs to tell, but it, it makes it interesting because of the journey that it takes you on, not because of complicated twists or trying to fit too many plot lines or something into it and overdoing it. And that's a very rare thing, I feel like, with movies these days. And the fact that it does it so well and it can be on that same level as like a Born Identity or, you know, The Matrix or Taken or something like that, you know, where it's even, you know, even more, I don't know, like sometimes it's actually it probably is better than most of those you know it's equally good if not better so um it just doesn't need all the fancy story layers and writing to it to be a great movie and i just appreciate the simplicity of that because it shows that you know it can still be a good movie with a straightforward plot so not to say that there are no surprises or whatever but um it doesn't rely on those things to make it a good film and i just really like that so it just put the film sort of in a category of its own um, but yeah, so definitely it's action packed throughout the whole thing. And, um, I think that was kind of expected for this one as it is with all of them, but, um, you know, it just, it also kind of tells you where it's going to kind of pick up in the next movie, which has already been confirmed for those who don't know yet. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just a fun film. Probably the one I enjoyed the most out of the three. 
So yeah, it's just very entertaining. Justin, your turn. All right. John Wick. So of course, there's one thing you need to understand about John Wick. John Wick is a man of focus. John Wick is a man of commitment. And John Wick is a man of sheer will. And it's funny because even though those are characteristics that the first two films used to describe the character, I could say those same things about this director, the team that's involved, because obviously the commitment, focus, and sure will to bring you something that felt fresh, to bring you something different, to top what they, the plates that they had set in the first and second film. And I feel like they were able to do that in a lot of ways with this film. I mean, just like Kevin said, this film picks up right where the last John Wick left off. He's running on the streets, fending for his life, and he's about to go excommunicado, and he's only got a little bit of time. And I mean, this movie is just, I thought it was just such a fun ride from beginning to end. Uh, like she said, um, I, I saw a Facebook um, post not too long ago um, in regards to John Wick and people were asking questions like, um, what other person do you think could play this character or who do you, uh, who besides Keanu Reeves could play this character of John Wick? And everybody's putting in suggestions. Oh, I think this person could play him or oh, I think this person could play him. And I, I'm going to mirror what Heather said. Like, I don't think there's anybody who can play this like Keanu Reeves can, because the special set of skills that Keanu has, like his ability to do most of it, most of the stunts in this film, his ability to handle guns and his gunplay and how he knows how to take them apart, reload them, stuff like that. And just his passion for this project, like he is just all in on this. He embodies the John Wick character. So Honestly, I don't know if there's another person I'd rather see playing this role. And that definitely comes out here. He's great from start to finish, I thought. And just, of course, John Wick is more about the action sequences than it is the story. And my God, the action sequences in this, they have to be seen to be believed. I can't state enough how awesome and how fresh and how visually pleasing some of these action scenes are. Uh, my personal favorite of the film is one that happened towards the beginning where um, it's him against a bunch of other assassins and they're breaking into these, um, I think they're in a museum or something, and they're breaking into these uh, glass places and they're pulling out these knives and they're throwing them at each other. And just the choreography of it, man, like how they're throwing knives at each other, but not every knife is hitting on target. Because, you know, sometimes in an action film, you, you know, people are throwing knives and they're just sticking people right in the head or right in the leg or right in the hand every single time. And I just loved how they were throwing knives frantically at each other. And sometimes the back of the knife was hitting, the butt of the knife was hitting. So they were bouncing off of each other. Then they're running and grabbing more knives and throwing them at each other. And it was just an exhilarating fight scene. Um, from, like I said, from just beginning to end. And I just, my, my mouth just dropped. Everything I was looking at was just so awesome. And I mean, just some of these action set pieces, there's a part where he's on horseback 
and motorcycles are chasing them. And there's a fight there. There's a fight with motorcycles and everybody's on a motorcycle and they're traveling down this just this night sky on this bridge. And it's just beautiful. I mean, the cinematography and the camera shots that they get are just gorgeous. Like it's a gorgeous looking movie. So it's not just impressive that these people are fighting, but the, but the set pieces, the set designs, the lighting, everything just looks so picturesque as they fight. So it's not only entertaining to watch them fight, but it's also just pleasing to the eye and just entertaining to look at. Uh, I'm going to have to give some props to some other actors, too, because I thought as far as the supporting cast of John Wick, I think that everybody just had such strong moments here. And this might be my favorite supporting cast of the other cast that have been in the other movies. And of course, this is part three. So people like the concierge and Winston make a return. But some of the other characters that we got introduced in this film were really gems in this movie. And of course, two that I just want to point out, Holly Berry was great in this. And I know that Holly Berry has done like some action movie stuff like that before, but you know, not anything of note where I felt like, oh man, you know, this is a signature of hers or this is something that she's known for. That's just not what I think about when I think Holly Berry. But now when I think about Holly Berry going forward, all I'm going to think about is that is her fighting scenes with those two dogs that she had and just some of the stunt choreography and some of the stuff that they were doing with these dogs, man, like running and attacking people. One time a dog jumped on her back and jumped up to a roof and attacked somebody that was above trying to snipe people like she did a fantastic job with the gunplay and stuff like that. And I know just from looking at some behind the scenes stuff, she trained for like six months to get ready for this role. Well, that training paid off. And I thought that she was a great compliment to John Wick. Um, j just she did fantastic in uh, this film. So my hat was off to her. Of course, uh, Lawrence Fishburne was great in his role here, but Lance Reddick was just another one that stood out to me. And it was great getting to see him kind of get in on the action because normally as the concierge, he's just, you know, he plays his role as just kind of answering questions or um, John Wick will make some demands and then he'll in a, such a cool, awesome sort of way with his charisma, you know, he'll tell him something here and there. And that's kind of what his role was in the other films but this one you got to see him actually be a part of the action so i thought that that was refreshing and that was cool and the last thing i say is just some of the martial artists that were that made guest appearances in this movie really enhanced the fight scenes towards the end um you guys already spoke about what, what's that guy from the raid uh, man, I'm forgetting his the actor's name, but he's from the Raid. His the name Raid is Yayan. His name is Yayan. Um, I, it's hard for it's it's very hard for me to pronounce it. Hold on, Yayan Ruian. I I'm okay. sorry. That's about as good as I can do. He yes. Yeah. And so that fight scene with him and that other guy where it was two on one and it was him, this other guy and John Wick and they were fighting. Man, I, I just I absolutely loved that fight scene. And it was really cool. Just kind of the the playbacks to other films and stuff like that, because sometimes in these movies, it's not just about killing each other. 
sometimes in some of these movies, there's a showcase or a kind of an honor or respect amongst fighters and stuff like that. So I loved how John Wick has such uh, a, a great reputation, even among these assassins, that some of these assassins were starstruck when they met him or giddy to fight him. And so there was really kind of this respect factor going in. And also not only did they, were they trying to win and kill him or whatever, but there was also this honor and this respect that went into it. So it just opened the floor for a lot of funny dialogue, a lot of compelling dialogue, just beyond these are just some people fighting each other and it's whatever, whatever. Okay, kill them and let's move on to the next scene. You know, that's not what this was. And I really just appreciated that. And lastly, uh, Angelica Houston was the last person that I wanted to talk about. I thought that she was great in this role. I really liked her. She really clicked well with John Wick. They had good chemistry on scene. And it was nice for the story to open up and give you a little bit more about John Wick's background and where his training came from and things like that. So now we kind of know why he's so awesome, who was part of that, who he was raised by, who trained him, different things like that. Now we're starting to get a few more pieces to understand this character. Not too much to where it's overdramatized, but just enough to keep us interested in where this story is going to go moving forward. And lastly, it just does such a great job of ending well and making you excited for the next one. And I believe they already announced the date for the next one. What was that date? Does anybody know offhand? May 21st. Okay. 2021. Yeah. May 21st, 2021. Awesome. So needless to say, I can't wait for May 21st, 2021, because this movie just had a great finish to it to where you just feel like, man, dude, I'm excited to see the next one. I, when I left the theater, it just my, you know, my, my blood was pumped. I was happy to talk about it with my friends. Like I just left with such a great attitude and I mean, great action movies. I remember when action movies in cinema used to be a dime a dozen. Like it seemed like every time you blinked, there was a new action movie coming out or there was an action star and a film was coming out. And along the way, you know, that that stuff is kind of a thing of the past. It's not like you see them all the time. There are only a few action franchises that are just alive and breathing. And this is one of them. And I'm just so happy to report that I appreciate the focus, the commitment and the sheer will that went into this project to entertain me. So my hat is definitely off to John Wick, Keanu Reeves and the rest of the team. Devin, your turn. Well, first of all, I'm going to have to give you a little bit of background uh, about my impressions of John Wick, too, because I like John Wick, too. But to me. My main problem with it is I really didn't feel like there was ever a point in time where John Wick was in any sort of peril. You know, it was a lot of gunplay and he was just going through goons one after the other, after the other, after the other. And I really just didn't really feel like there was much danger for him, you know. And so I was very skeptical of John Wick 3. I'm going to be 100% honest. And man, I am so happy that I was wrong. Uh, to me, this is either the best one in the series or a incremental second. Like, I mean, it is absolutely from top to bottom 
a perfect action film. And a few things that I really enjoyed about it is how they changed things up. Now, of course, everybody on this call is a nerd, so I'm going to speak in nerd terms. So what they did that was so interesting in this film is they added different enemy types. So Jason talked about that very first fight scene after he's excommunicado for real. And, and that's one thing that I really wanted to talk about and just commend them for is the sense of urgency and the pace of this film is break neck white knuckle devil may care the entire time this is two hours of being on a roller coaster going a hundred miles an hour it is absolutely pedal to the metal and i absolutely loved it but back to my original point is they added different elements. So in this movie, there's a lot more blades. There's a lot more edged weapons. And I think there's something visceral and very scary about having a knife or a sword or an axe fight because every person has pricked their finger on a thorn or cut themselves with a knife or something like that. So you you can kind of understand what it probably feels like to have somebody slowly dig a knife into your shoulder, like what happened to John Wick when he was fighting, you know, giant Russian Gonzalez or whatever that guy's name was. Like, you could really tell there was just a lot more stakes in this. Every single fight in this movie was a fight for his life. Every single one of them. And I just felt that from top to bottom. So them adding more blades to this was great. Jason already talked about, you know, when they're just throwing the knives and they're stabbing each other and they're off target. It wasn't like this perfect, you know, 90s action movie where they just throw the knife and it makes some weird sound and it's in the guy's head and blah, 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 blah. It was very realistic and organic. And once again, just absolutely frantic. Everybody is fighting for their lives. And they changed up the enemy types and changed out the environments. You know, sometimes he's fighting in a museum with through cases. Uh, there's at one point he pulls out like a, a revolver from like 1906 and loads it up with some bullets. And he's trying to find the right bullets and the assassins are coming up and they open up the door. He gets the right ones in. And he like blasts a couple of them and then that gives him some time and he's running. And it's it's just really great how they switch so many things up. And then there's another point portion where uh, they're fighting in the Continental. And, you know, the whole time the knives have been working out, he's gotten that. And then the uh, the uh, the table actually sends their guys and they are completely immune to small arms fire. So he's shooting them and it hurts a little bit. It stings, but they just keep coming. And so he's like trying to find a way to get his gun in there. And he's like sticking the gun in, you know, different crevices and like the folds of the arm. And then finally he gets in the neck. And so they're there's just like he, there's this this there's just this intelligence you can see in all these fight scenes, which is really really great. That shows why he's such a uh, an amazing assassin and such a effective killer because he's able to adapt to whatever is thrown at him. And um, then sometimes the fights were honor fights, like when he's fighting Yayan and the other Shinobi. Um, he doesn't even kill them, but 
it was completely different because they were way faster than him and they were way more skilled at like striking combat. So he switches up and he uses his Sambo that he learned that he learned as a child. And so they're a lot smaller than him. So he just starts picking them up and throwing them everywhere. And then Jansen, I know you had to absolutely love how that uh, fight ended because he gave an angle slam through a glass floor. It was straight WWT. WWE. No, fuck yeah, WWE. Man. It was ECW. I almost yelled ECW yeah, at the end of that fight. I watched it with two wrestler friends and we like yelled in the theater. We were like, angle slam. Yeah, that was an awesome part. <laughs> And, and, and so, and he doesn't even kill those that he's like, until next time. So I think we're going to get to see Yaya again. And the cameos in this film, I'm just so excited about this movie. I can't wait to go see it again in theaters. I, every movie, I'm like, who's going to be next? So Angelica Houston, always just a pleasure to see that beautiful woman. I love Angelica Houston. It was great. And it was great to see uh, Braun from Game of Thrones. I forgot his name, but he's in this. And, you know, it just, I'm like, who are they going to put in this movie now? And it's always just fun to see when they meet somebody new. Everybody else is talking about all the other stuff that I like, I agree with everything that everybody else has said up to this point. But I also want to give a shout out to Mark Dacascos. If you are a action movie fan, you know exactly who this guy is. This is this is his most defining performance to me because he's always like a baby face good guy and he was just so creepy and evil and he's you know back in the day he had this long like luxurious sexy hair and him bald is just disturbing he looked like a viper to me and he was just so creepy but at the same time he was like a fan of John Wick, but he wants to kill him. And it was like some anime stuff, man. This is stuff that I see in Japanese anime. And I, I know Sterling loves when I bring up anime on the podcast. It's one of his favorite things. Uh, but it was just really cool what they do in the John Wick movies. It, every single movie, John Wick has to like interact with somebody who wants to kill him really bad. And they're always sitting down in chairs and talking. And it's just really cool just to see those conversations. And I think Mark Dacascos had the best one. You know, his performance in this film was really, really great. And even though this is a straightforward action film, I think it's as far as story is concerned, it's the most dense in story. And I think it was great to really not only to learn about John Wick, but to learn more about the world of John Wick and the world of the table and how the assassins work. It was just really awesome and refreshing to just kind of get a deeper glimpse inside of that. And I thought the best thing that this movie really did is it told a story through the action. And that is something that's very difficult to do, especially in a movie that is is as frenetic as this. It really is just like it's a work of art. It's it's beautifully shot. Um, I got to see my guy Yayan. If you guys have not seen the Raid movies, if you have not seen, he had a little bit of part in Star Wars. They wasted him. I cannot believe they wasted him in Star Wars. Oh God, it hurts my feelings. But he's he's fantastic, and I hope he's in the next one. He's a fantastic martial artist, and this movie is man. I just it gave me everything I wanted and more. And I am so excited for May 2021. 
which is a future date. Wait, can you believe it's already, we're in, about to go to 2020 and we don't have like any robots or lasers or anything? You know, um, the 90s lied to us so hardcore. It really, really fucking lied a lot. It was my robot slave who's going to turn on me and kill me and take over the planet, damn it. So now it is my turn for these John Wick 3 Parabellum likes. So first and foremost, let me let me start with the the gigantic Yugoslavian uh, at the beginning of the movie that fights John Wicks. Um, that is actually a current NBA player for the Philadelphia 76ers. That is a uh, Bobin Marjanovic. Really? Yes. Um, literally just played a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the 76ers lost to the Raptors. Um, but yes, he is a current in, uh, NBA basketball player. Um, so that's why he is so, uh, so tall. He's, he's seven, six, if anybody was wondering. Um, wow. And I'm also going to bring up, um, oh God, why I see his name went away for me. It went away for Heather and then it went away for me. Um, the villain. Yes. Mark Dacascus. Yes, Mark Dacascus. See, I was I was kind of remiss that nobody brought up, you know, because they were like, oh, if you know, you watch action movies in the 90s, you know him. Or if you watch the Food Network whenever, because he plays the chairman's nephew in Iron Chef America. Had no idea. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I remember that now. That's his big thing is, you know, the the original Iron Chef has the chairman and he always takes the bite of the bell pepper and stuff like that. And he's the one that starts, you know, the the cook offs. And he plays the chairman's nephew in the American version. And he does the he does the sweet fake out of he's about to like act like he's about to bite the bell pepper too. And then he brings it up to his mouth and then quickly swaps it with an apple and then takes a bite out of the apple on intensively. Um <laughs> but yes, he he plays the chairman's nephew in, in the American version of uh Iron Chef America. Well see, it can't really be the American version of Iron Chef America. He plays it in Iron Chef America. Um, so, yes, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that, too, that you might also recognize him from Food Network of all fucking places. Um, I'm, go- I'm going to go into a lot of the stuff here with when it comes to the action scenes uh, in a John Wick movie. And I, I feel like they're very much the same in this as they've been in the other movies in regards of they don't always feel like just action sequences. They very much film it and choreograph it. And everything like that, where in a lot of ways it feels more like dancing than it feels like fighting. Like just, and and I really think it showcases it in this movie because they do have that juxtaposition between the the ballerina dancer um, and everything versus what he's doing and stuff like that. It very much feels unlike any other action sequences you're getting in American cinema. Like, I don't want to say that you're getting anywhere because John Wick is only capable because of the raid. If the raid wasn't made, I don't think we would have ever gotten John Wick because the the original raid does have a lot of traditional action set pieces and stuff like that. But when you get to the end against the guy, Mad Dog, who is the same guy uh, that Devin and everybody was talking about in this, um, you've got two characters versus him. And it was one of the first times I really, truly remember seeing a fight sequence that was shot long form from a single camera position for a lot of scenes. Um, I mean, it does do cuts and things like that, but there are long sections. It might go 15, 20, 30 seconds with the camera not moving. And if it does move, it's actually just the lens like zooming out. So you actually see more of the fight happening instead of super close up. And those are very much the type of fight sequences you get in a John Wick. And I want to tie that back into what Justin was saying about Keanu Reeves, like no one else being able to do that and stuff like that. And that's because that's true. When it comes to Hollywood, 
like Keanu Reeves is like a legend for his ability to be able to do choreographed fight scenes. Now he doesn't do all his stunts because if it's a stunt where it's like him getting hit by a car or somebody, something like that, or taking a really large fall or something that is a stunt guy. Cause he's like, I'm not crazy. So the stunt guys do that part. But when it comes to the fight sequences, those are all him. And that's because he, like I said, he's a legend in Hollywood because he can go through more sequences in a fight than pretty much any other any other person in Hollywood. Now, I'm not saying that no one else could get to that, but there's a reason why, you know, in a Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise or a Matt Damon in in the Bourne movies or Daniel Craig in the the, the, the Bond series. Did I say Bond for Matt Damon? I meant Bourne if I didn't. I'll just fix that now. I think you said it right. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but the reason why those fight sequences work is because they get really, really close up on the action and they do a lot of cuts. And the reason why they do that is because it's very hard for these actors to always remember, you know, what move goes to what move goes to what move goes to what move. And so they'll have to do a, like three or four and then they stop and they reset and then they'll do like the first or the last move of the, the last sequence and then go a couple of moves further after. But they always do it and they have to reset and then they reset. And that's why you get a lot of cuts because they have to hide you know the stops in some way shape or form and keanu reeves doesn't have to do that he can go so much further than most people can so that's why it works with him and they're able to do these very long uh fight sequences without cuts and you know things like that because they're able to do that because he can and so that's why you're getting a lot more of these long form fights that's why you're getting a lot more of the variations in the fights i mean and a lot of it has to be attributed to a lot of his work with the matrix you know, and a lot of the 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 fight training he got for that, because if you don't know, the director of the John Wick movies is his stunt double for a lot of his movies. Um, I think oh. it started. Well, in the I Matrix. had no idea. I didn't I didn't know yes. that at all. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's real. That's cool, awesome. Man. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. freaking fantastic. Yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to say I just thought it was so impressive when I found out that when like Keanu Reeves kicks Agent Smith and he like holds his leg up and like turns and puts his leg that he that he did that like that's yes. his leg. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 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 absolutely right. Like, um, but yes, this guy is like he's he's mainly a stunt guy. Uh, his first directing was John Wick. Um, well, I think he had done like a couple of short films or whatever before that, but it, it's John Wick. And I mean, but he's done stunts like I'll go over some of his IMDb. So you'll really kind of understand he did stunts for um, for Kung Pao Enter the Fist, which shout out to that movie. Um, but he did he did the stunts for the Matrix Matrix Reloaded. He was the, the martial arts stunt coordinator for revolutions. Um, he did some he worked on stunts in Spider-Man 2. Uh, he was a fight choreographer and stunt double for Keanu Reeves for Constantine. He did a lot of utility stunts for Mr. And Mrs. Smith. He was the stunt coordinator for Serenity. He was the supervising stunt coordinator for V for Vendetta. Um, he was the assistant fight choreographer for 300. Um, he did. He was the stunt. He was the stunt coordinator for Rambo. I mean, pretty much any Wykowski sibling films. He's done those like Speed Racer, Ninja Assassin, all those. Um, he was also the stunt coordinator for The Expendables. Uh Sherlock Holmes, uh, A Game of Shadows. He was the stunt coordinator for the Hunger Games movies. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. This guy has done some of the, you know, really big stunt coordinating things and stuff like that. And he's got a good relationship with Keanu. 
I mean, like I said, he's been his stunt guy for a lot of his movies. And in doing so, I think, you know, like a lot of a lot of actors that do movies like that, they do end up becoming friends with their stunt, their stunt guys, especially their stunt double. You know, they because they always end up spending a ton of time around each other. And you can tell when they become friends, when that that stunt guy follows that actor around, you know, and stuff like that. So it's it's one of those things that he knew what Keanu could do, because apparently Keanu was always the guy in mind for John Wick because he knew what Keanu could do. And so he won, you know, with with John Wick, it was it was almost Keanu or nothing with this. And, you know, if you've ever there's there's a video you can find on Facebook or YouTube of Keanu Reeves doing trigun training, which is shotgun rifle pistol. And that guy looks like a fucking trained assassin. Yeah, he's he's ridiculous with his skills with that. And his, his like I said, his fighting ability and when it comes to stunts and things or for fight sequences is just unparalleled in Hollywood. And so there really is just no one else that could do these roles. I mean, because if you go any other action star out there, who can do it? I mean, you're not seeing anyone else that has the ability to do the types of martial arts fighting and the, just the in and out of some of that stuff. And then that, I mean, I'm sure other people could do it, but they wouldn't be the same movie. You wouldn't have these long fight sequences. You wouldn't have these varied fight sequences. You know, you wouldn't have those elements that are what make John Wick not just an action movie, you know, because when you're telling a compelling story through fight sequences like these movies do, they, they just wouldn't be the same if they were these choppy quick flashy fight sequences we're getting in all these other movies they just would not be the same and so so with that what what i'm transitioning into is just like oh i i was having a conversation with mundo who if you don't know is the one that's done all the logos for our stuff great graphic work if you guys need anything let me know and i'll 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 put you in contact with him he's got very reasonable prices and everything like that um but i was talking to him and he was talking about his fight with the two guys from the right because the other guy from the the that's with the the mad dog actor is the other guy actually plays the assassin in raid two. So both of those people are from the raid franchise. And when he's having that fight sequence with them, he was like, but like, why did he, he felt that it was a little weak that, you know, they started the fight by like, like giving him mercy and all this other stuff, but then they lost the fight and everything like that. Well, you know, he was like, well, that was a little weak that they did that. And I think it actually tells that story in the fight and in it within the movie itself because they had a ton of respect for him and so they did show him mercy at the beginning but they didn't do they did so thinking they would still win you know they're not like oh let's give this guy a chance because he legitimately has a chance of beating us they were like no he's john wick he does deserve respect and he at least needs to like go out fighting not just beaten and then we kind of kick him around a couple of times and then we kill him like he deserves the right to actually go out fighting and within that fight though you see it because of something that Justin brought up is what john wick's true skill is he's not the best with guns he's not the best fighter he's not the best with swords he's not really the best at any of those individual things but what his true skill lies at is his sheer force of will the fact that if you give him time to will himself to beat you that's where you fuck up because that's what his power is he will will himself to beat you if you give him that chance. And I think that's always been the main character trait of him throughout these three movies is that it doesn't matter what you put in his way. If you give him, if you give him the ability to will himself through it, he will. And I think that that fight alone truly encapsulates that mentality because he was, he was dead to rights at the beginning of the fight, but because they respected him, 
and the fact that they thought they could still take him either way, not taking that into account that they gave him time to kind of collect himself just a little bit and will himself to beat them. But he also, I love the fact that when he ended that fight, he ended it by showing them the same respect that they showed him. He did just beat them, but he did not kill them because they respected him. And so he was in turn showing them respect saying, Hey, I'll see you. I'll be seeing you. And I just like to me that how beautiful is that, that you have this franchise that can also within single fight sequences, distill itself down to those moments and retell its own story within a single fight and then move on, you know, and like what you guys were talking about, you know, about how there were like assassins that were like fanboying him and stuff like that. That was also just a truly like, like fun moment in this movie when it's like zero and him are sitting on those couches and he's like, man, you're John fucking wick. Like, just fanboying the fuck out, you know, for just a brief moment. Like, I really think that that shows the mythos and the legendariness of of the John Wick character within this world without showing you anything from before. Because the, the thing I love about these movies is the fact that they don't use exposition or these monologues to tell you what's going on or anything like that. You know, you don't have anybody going, oh, I have this marker you know, the marker that you pricked yourself for the, like, they don't give a narrative that doesn't make sense to a normal conversation. Everything that they're saying to each other that does explain parts of their universe are said in a way that makes sense for people that already know what the fuck is going on to say. Like when John Wick's talking to Angelica Houston, he's talking about, you know, him being home and, you know, back where he was started and all this other stuff and like what they owed him and stuff like that. He never went and said things just for the audience. They just, he said things to Angelica Houston that makes sense to Angelica Houston's character to need to be said at that moment. There's not just exposition or extra words in there just for the sake of the audience. And I love that because every movie we get just a little more and a little more. So we're seeing more and more of this universe and we're learning more and more about it without it being spoon fed to us at every single moment. And that is such a great point because man, that is a pet peeve of mine. When I hear that in movies, hi, my mom, which I love, that has raised me for years. Like, you know, like, you know, there are just <laughs> things that people say that they say in conversation and, you know, really it's for the audience. Like, this is not how anybody talks yeah, to somebody true. else or, you, you know what I mean? Like, you just know it's that's not how real people talk, but that they're doing that because they're trying to give you exposition in a conversation. And it just, it, it's always very jarring. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Cause even like an example of that would be in the movie when he has the cross, you know, that he's holding up to Angelica Houston and he's just showing it to her. It's not like, remember when you gave me this years ago because of this, he's just showing it to her because she knows. So that's a good point, uh, Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. No exposition. Saitama one punch, man. I mean, it really would be the equivalent if you were watching a movie about an air conditioner repairman and it was him and like his apprentice or something like that. And the apprentice goes, man, I think we need to add more coolant to this AC unit. And the, the air conditioner guy go coolant. What's that for? You're like, motherfucker, you're an air conditioner technician. Why would you need to know what coolant's for? Just so you could tell the audience what coolant is like. They do that all the time in movies. And I just love that they don't give a fuck about that in these movies, because if you just watch them you learn all the information you need to for the moments you're in like i love the fact that we've never seen 
they've never done a flashback to him killing all those people with a pencil. I love that because, well, it would probably be a beautiful sequence to watch. I love that they've never shown that and that they probably never will because it it makes more sense to not and just to keep it kind of a part of lore. I like the fact that in the second movie, he grabs two pencils and goes and kills some people and you don't see him do it. And so once again, they allude to him killing people with pencils and he just and they don't show it. And I love those little things they do to make this universe like feel like truly lived in. It really reminds me a lot of how the wire handles things. You know, when somebody's buying drugs on the wire, they're not like, oh, heroin. What's heroin? And then this one drug dealer explains what heroin is for all the people that don't know. Like, no, they're like, oh, you know, give me some H. And then it's like done. You know what I mean? And this this feels the same way. It feels like we were dropped into this universe and the universe just kept going. You know, there's no explanation to any of this stuff. And you'll just learn what you need to as you go. And as as long as you're open to that. It, it'll happen. They will show you everything you need to know. And if they don't, there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't really need to know how or why he got that cross. All we need to know is that he has it and what that means for him going forward. You know, him getting his pa- that pass to go, you know, across the world to where uh, Halle Berry is. That's all we need to know. We don't need to know anything else about it. And I love that they don't even bother trying. And because it, it makes that universe feel lived in, like, why is everybody using a, a, a cell phone that was made in like 2004? Makes no sense. But they all do. And it's perfectly fine that they don't ever explain that. And the final thing that I want to touch on with this is, Heather, you are absolutely fucking wrong. This movie was not too brutal at any point in time. It was just perfectly brutal at the moments it needs to be. Yeah, I don't think it was excessive. I mean, I'm just saying, seeing a guy's neck being broke by a book, I needed that. I didn't know I needed that, but I did. And do you know who told me or who showed me I needed that? John Wick. John Wick. I, I didn't know I needed to see German Shepherds ripping out like 40 dicks in about 10 minutes. But I also needed to see that, too. And John Wick taught me that. I mean, I didn't know I needed to see a knife blade slowly slid into somebody's eyeball in a very, very aggressive way. No, but I did. I did. No. And I'm glad. I'm glad I finally saw that because that felt right. I'm just saying it's, you know, and the thing I love, too, about this movie, and and I'm glad it was set up for a sequel for the sheer fact that I was very kind of confused by the name of this movie because Parabellum doesn't mean does mean prepare for war. And I was like, well, if this is preparing for war, like, are we going to get to see the war? And like, so I was kind of confused by that title and I'm glad by the end of the movie, it really kind of showed it what it was. I loved that. Everybody thought that this was going to be the war. Like it was him running away and then it was going to be a war. And I love by the end of the movie, you find out that no, the war is what's yet to come. That this really is that preamble to the war. This is them getting ready. This is them getting in the mindset for it all. And I am just so excited for just the sheer possibilities of shit that will be coming our way in John Wick 4. I really do think Common will be back by then. Um, I think I think both of the the guys from the raid, they'll be back from that movie. I think it really will end up being kind of like a battle royale, just a who's who, like a John Wick all-stars. Like anybody that survived through John Wick's like chaos will be in this movie is what I really think this last one will be. Or I don't I can't say last one, um, but this what this next one will be. Um 
and also like shout out to the like how adaptive they are in these fight sequences too like throughout the first two movies we've seen john wick take on tactical squads with guns we've seen him do that numerous times and then in the third act of this movie when he takes on that squad i love how they adapt to it that these people have better body armor so he's having to adapt to killing them like he's just shooting them in the face nine thousand times knowing that's not going to kill them but knowing that's going to disorient him enough to get up to them yes. to like slide up the visor and shoot him in the face or he, he like coming from behind and shooting them up underneath their helmet like i love how he had to adapt that we got a different version of a fight we've seen a couple of times and it they were able to make it feel new like i honestly when that fight sequence started i was like oh no this again it's just gonna be and then you were like oh no this is a different version this is new and i love the fact that they are not sitting on their laurels enough to not do that that they are still dedicated to bringing new sequences every chance they get like it might start the same it might feel the same at the beginning but this team this creative team is dedicated to making sure that you're not getting just recycled shit you've seen over and over again and i just absolutely fucking love it so now dislikes dislikes for john wick and it'll start off with me and i mean all right guys i'm gonna have to be honest with you nothing's fucking wrong with this movie it's fucking perfect <laughs> Devin, your turn that might be a first we've ever had in the history of this podcast well i'll tell you i got a fucking problem with this fucking movie you know there's just one thing that really got on my goddamn skin and uh, I'm not going to just let it fucking slide and everybody else can kiss this movie's ass, but I'm not going to do it because I have some balls in here because Halle Berry and her dogs haven't gotten to me yet. I cannot fucking stand that we have to wait two fucking years for the next one. God, <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, it's going to be amazing. Is broken. This is. I, I really hate saying things like this, but this is a perfect action film. If you are still listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, then what is wrong with you? You don't like action films. You don't know anything about action films. And you need to go back to baby school for action films. Go watch Die Hard start there and then you'll work your way up to this because you are not ready for John Wick. Also, there's somebody who I work with who will never be my friend because he says the John Wick movies are stupid and trash. So, you know, he better not ever need my help because I will abandon him. <laughs> I'll say this to the guy you work with, Devin, whoever you are, guy. Fuck you. Justin, your turn. Damn. Am I going to be the only one with an actual dislike? <laughs> well, OK, so just hear me out because I feel like I'm going to this is going to incite attack. But but hear me out. So <laughs> uh, pretty much like uh, mirroring what uh, some some of you guys have already said, like, really, this is really a tough movie to find any faults in, you know, because it's just so enjoyable. And most of this is about the action and the action is perfection in this movie. And the story is is really paper thin. So there's hardly anything. I mean, you know, they give you bits and pieces. And they give you just enough so you can follow it. And so this is really a tough movie to pick apart or find anything wrong with it or anything like that. But just personally, something that kind of stood out to me was um, just and really these are just story things. So like the I think that you could argue that maybe there was a bit of inconsistency with 
the rules as far as like how they set up like the the rules and that all the assassins and everybody that's under the table are abiding by because when you see the adjudicator you you get the sense that these rules are super strict like super strict unbreakable rules like if you break this rule you know not, not only are you probably dead but there's going to be an adjudicator that's going to come and you, they're going to explain to you what they do and the punishments are typically were typically severe angelica houston's character got swords pushed through her and then you know uh lawrence fishburne's character you know they were like well you gave him uh seven bullets so you're gonna get seven cuts and i mean <laughs> they damn near killed lawrence fishburne in this movie so obviously there the, the 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 table is serious about its um rules and it's serious about its punishments and there's a severity to that however you know, when you get towards the end of the movie, you know, the movie plays like these rules are kind of unbreakable and there's just no, you know, there's just no way around these rules. However, when we get to the end, you've got, you know, you've got John Wick saying, okay, they give him an ultimatum and he has this choice. You can go, you can be an old, the only way to repent or to get back into the good graces of the table is you have to um, become an assassin again. So, and he says he wants to do that. He says he's committed to that. We see him chop off his finger just as a show that, you know, I'm dedicated to this. I'm going to do that. And then a few scenes later, he has a talk with Winston. And when the adjudicator is like, so are you going to kill Winston? Because you did, you know, kind of chop your finger off and dedicate back to us. John Wick is kind of like, eh, I don't think I'm going to kill him. And so I get it. Like, I know that Winston and him are buddies. That's his friend. That's not somebody that John Wick is just going to easily kill because somebody says. But, you know, and then later on, you have Winston. And, um, you know, at first, the adjudicator makes it seem like, all right, um, you, you, what was the term that they use for whenever the um, the hotel uh where, where it was desanctified. Yeah, desanctified. So she desanctifies this hotel and it makes it seem, and they told him, you know, and the reason why that happened was because she told him, you know, you've only got but um, a few days to be uh, the manager of this hotel and then we're going to replace you. And then uh, after one conversation, now she did call this conversation and give him a chance to kind of turn that thing around. But all of the turning around and changing and stuff like that, it does make you kind of question, okay, so how dedicated to these rules is the table? Like, and, and maybe that was the point is that, you know, these rules are not as strict and as binding as they originally made them seem. But to me, that that was a lot, a little different from the first two movies that we got, where it seemed like these rules were binding and that there was just no way around these rules and that, you know, once you break these rules, you were fucked. And then this movie, I feel like we kind of... We let up on a little bit of that with the renegotiations and stuff like that. So that's the only thing I could really say. If you're going to try to nitpick something or say something about the consistency of the story, I do think there was a little bit of back and forth with how binding some of these rules are and then people being able to kind of 
talk their way out of those rules. But that's really, honestly, and even then, story-wise, I can still argue that some of those things make sense. There was a reason why they allowed um, Winston, the manager, to do that. There was another reason why Wick did that. And more. it was more about this story of him wanting to keep his memory alive and the conversation with Winston where he was like, well, John Wick, what kind of man do you want to die as? You know, what kind of man do you want to be? Do you really want to go back to this or do you really want to be someone who goes out on your own terms? And I get that that reached him, but I feel like just story wise, because that happened so quickly, because we saw him chop his finger and then immediately kind of go back on that, it made the chopping of the finger and all of that stuff. I feel like it had less levity because we went back on it scenes later. But other than that, I mean, like I said, and and even then, that's a nitpick. M- the movie really worked for me, but we're cinema slayers, so I gave it my best shot. All right, let's boo this man. Come on, boo, boo this man, boo, <laughs> boo, boo. I mean, the thing is, is I, I, I'll, I'll explain to you just real quick why that didn't bother me. Is because the rules for the the table to me the reason why they're strict is it's it's not necessarily the rules that are strict it's the implications of the rules because all the rules they talk about in this movie are essentially establishing loyalty to the high table so breaking those rules makes you seem less loyal to the high table and maybe loyal to someone else so like you know winston giving john wick an extra hour before excommunicado you know that shows that you're less loyal to the high table and more loyal to John Wick. Same with Angelica Houston's character, mm-hmm. her helping them, even though that was within that group's rules that broke the rules of the high table, because that meant that she was more loyal to John Wick and to her rules than the high table's rules. Same with uh, the Bowery King, uh, Morgan Freeman's character. You know, he gave him that gun knowing he was trying to kill a member of the high table and gave him the seven bolts to do that, which in return shows no loyalty to the high table or less loyalty to the high table type of situation. Mm-hmm. So that renegotiation scene with Winston at the end, like whenever they're doing all that stuff, it's, you know, it had to do with like all their things had to do with like, you have to take seven cuts to show your fealty to the high table. John wick had broken the rules by killing a high table member. So for him to get back, on the good graces of the high table. It's like, make the sacrifice and kill Winston. And Winston knew how to play directly into his emotions of saying, do you want to die just a stone cold assassin? Or do you want to die the man that your wife loved? Like that specific conversation, he knew exactly what to say to John wick to get him to turn on that. And I think if it was anyone else, they wouldn't have been able to do that. It's just the fact that he knew exactly what to say to John Wick to get him to turn, you know, to say more or less, it doesn't matter if you live an extra 20 years, if you're an assassin, you know, that's not really honoring your wife. You know, you could die in the next 20 minutes and in a fashion, you would still be the man that, you know, your wife loved. Would you rather die that way or, you know, die 20 years and not be that guy? And so that was the way to make John Wick turn against that. And that renegotiation at the end where then, you know, Winston turns on John Wick and shoots him and, you know, for all intents and purposes, does legitimately try to kill John Wick. Um, like I said, was oh a power play by Winston to show the high table that it wasn't that he was losing his edge and it wasn't that he just had loyalty for John Wick. 
that it was to him a situational thing at the time. And, you know, his attempted murder of John Wick was to show them, like, I don't think I'm above the rules and like was to show them, look, I do have the balls to do what is needed to be done if I if I see that it needs to be done. And so that's why the adjudicator was accepting of that at the end and that renegotiation of things, you know, because also I do think the adjudicator is at least in some regards a a reasonable person to the sheer fact of like they can constantly send in squads and squads of people but it's just like how many fucking people are going to need to die like i know that they are assassins and it's you know they don't necessarily have the same value on human life that other people do but it's like if you cannot send in another 50 guys just to get murdered and then you know what i mean like and you're just oh yeah hedging your bets every chance you know so like it would be in her best interest in the high table's best interest to reach to try to reach an accord to maybe have them show their penance or to realign their fealty with them you know and i think that like i said those those actions made sense to me based on the mentalities that were in place like i said of my understanding or my feeling of what the high tables importance on the said rules really meant like i said all of them when they were they were dealing their punishment and all this other stuff just dealt with loyalty to the high table that's all they really care about. They don't care if you break the rules as long as it's in doing so showing loyalty to the high table. Like they don't give a fuck if you if the high table says, hey, go into the continental and kill somebody like what they told John Wick to do. They told John Wick to go to consecrated ground. Oh, so it wasn't it wasn't desanctified. It was unconsecrated. I'm sorry. It's unconsecrated is what is what yeah, they did to the continental. OK, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. So it's unconsecrated. And so they told him to go to consecrated ground and break rules to kill Winston. They told him to do that, you know, so they don't really give a fuck about the rules of the Continental, which are rules they established. They really don't care about that. All they care about is if you're going to break the rules, is it for them? Cool. Yeah. And I and I think I get that. And, And I was actually cool with it. You know, I was uh cool with everything that happened but trying to just think of an audience member you know if you're if you're watching this and there seems and it seems like this 80% of this movie is built on strict adherence of the rules then at the end when it kind of seems like you can talk your way out of them i can just see how that can feel like a lack of consistency or maybe or the way I interpreted it was whenever he was like in front of the elder before he chopped this finger off or when all that happened and he said, okay, I can understand you making an exception for the baddest assassin that has ever lived. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he not only has he survived this excommunicado up to this point, but then he made it all the way up here to talk to me. So I can totally understand this ringleader going, OK, look, I'll make an exception for you because you are the exception. You're you're John Wick. You're the baddest motherfucker alive. So I'm going to make an exception for you. And I don't know. Maybe I just needed to hear that. Maybe I just needed to hear that I'm not making this exception for anybody. I'm only making this exception for you. But then when Winston also gets to negotiate, now it feels like, okay, is anybody special? 
is is anybody like beyond and of course john wick is beyond the rules because he's so raw but i don't know maybe if i had heard that from the the elder or maybe if somehow he had said something like look man anybody else would be fucking dead right now but you're john wick you know and maybe he didn't have to say that maybe it was implied you know they had the suit waiting on him he was like look the only way you can stay alive is to come back into the fold and be an assassin again so obviously he valued john wick and saw the value of keeping him alive but you know i just think that with the with, with such play on the strict adherence to the rules when you start breaking them, there just better be good reasons for that. And I don't know if the narrative always did a whoops, sorry about that cut. Um, and I don't know if the narrative always did a good job of explaining why these people were getting exceptions. I mean, you know, if it explained it well enough, there were explanations. I can't say that they were non-existent, but would your typical audience member under understand all of the kind of like those um, intricacies that you described? Would an audience, would a regular audience member understand that without it being explained to them like the movie explained it to them? But that's all, you know, and like I said, I am really digging here, you know, because I enjoyed the film. So I'm just trying to find something because I don't believe any film is perfect. So I was trying, I'm trying my best here. So, yeah. So what you're really telling me is you want to see a cut of the elder and John Wick talking to each other and the elders just looking at John Wick and the that song by Paramore that you are my only exception. You want that song to play while the elder is looking at John Wick. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or he could just say it. I think it'd be better if they just kind of do that and do that kind of like that phasey or that that like fogginess like that, you know, what they show on TV when somebody's in love. And everything gets a little hazy and like very bright. I think that'd be good for that. Um, and the only thing I'll say with this is I did see this movie with my uh, with my soon to be ex-wife because um, we had seen the other John Wicks together. So we were just like, well, we'll go to this, too. And when we went and she would she would be the definition of what you were saying, the just your average uh movie audience member. And when we were talking about the movie afterwards, I mean, that was not something she brought up, you know. So I don't I don't know if, you know, that's an isolated case or just if it in general, it wasn't that hard for other people to follow either. That's all. Yeah, you could be right. Like I said, I am really cherry picking this movie, just uh, looking for some kind of way that maybe I could argue an inconsistency. But, you know, it's like you said, perhaps it was all there. You know, it's, it was inferred or implied or maybe you don't need that at all. But I'm just saying how quickly. He went from chopping his finger off to then deciding a few scenes later, and hey, I'm just not going to do what I just chopped my finger off to say I would do. I just think the quickness of that, maybe if that was something that was built throughout the entire movie, maybe if as he's talking to people, they're telling him, look, man, if when you find the elder, you know that there's only one or two ways that this is going to go. You're either going to have to come back into the fold. Or they're going to or he's going to have you killed. Like maybe if that was something like the impending doom, like they were like, look, you're going to have to make this the whole time. Holly Berry could have said that to him. Maybe bronze, the, the, the bronze Game of Thrones. Maybe that character could have said something like that to him. So the whole time it's building like he's going to have to make this choice. And then maybe once he got there 
And it's like, okay, what choice is he going to make? And so he decides, okay, I'm going to be an assassin. Then whenever Winston offers him this other way, this other, uh, this other option, maybe then you have that struggle of, oh, um, okay, uh, maybe perhaps I did make the wrong choice or maybe like, or is Winston right? You know? And maybe you don't know what he's going to do, but he makes that decision on the fly or he makes it, you know, but I feel like him cutting his finger off to show like, look, dude, I'm back in. I'm I'm serious about this. And then being in front of the adjudicator and going, eh, I don't think I'm going to kill him. I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe if there was a more a stronger way to do that, to showcase that how important that choice was. But yeah. Either way, I enjoyed it. Maybe. I don't care. Maybe. Perhaps. You're just wrong. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Can I please just interject here real quick? And Justin, I am going to argue with something you've said, but you've said it like five times. So you don't need to say the same thing again because I get what you're saying. Oh. I want to preface that real quick. Okay. So to me, it does make sense because with all those betrayals of those rules, the only person who was required to die was John Wick. He was the one who was excommunicado. The rest of those people have to pay a blood price, right? So Angelica Houston, she has to get stabbed through her hands, right? For helping ferry him to, you know, wherever he went in the Middle East, right? Yes, yes. Okay, fantastic. All right, so had to play a blood price there. Then Lawrence Fishburne gave him the gun. Had to play a blood price there, right? He got seven cuts. You don't necessarily got to die. And you got to, you know, if you don't replay your fealty to the table, then you can't run shit anymore. So he plays his pays his blood price, right? And then they go, John Wick goes, and they're like, hey, listen, man, you know, let, let's remember the state John Wick is in because he's dehydrated. He's been walked through the desert for an undisclosed amount of time. And, you know, he's probably thinking, you know what? Dying like this, I don't want to die like this. So chopping off his finger is, you know, a survival type of thing. So he pays his blood price to get back into the fold. And with a movie as fast paced as this, expecting some sort of slowdown and I don't know him taking a couple of more contracts or whatever. And I think it was just a really big political play because I got the feeling that the table is a very, just not from this movie, but from the entire thing is a very political organization. Of course, there's going to be people who get special treatment, like in any political organization, whether that be city council or, you know, somewhere in Washington, D.C. or some corporation, there's going to be people who get to get away with certain things because they have particular skills that nobody does. And then when they went to the Continental and they were about to just obliterate it and they stood up and they fought them off, they were like, wait, this is another resource. We thought we were just going to come in here and just shut this motherfucker down and kill everybody. And there's only three of y'all in here and you stopped us. So y'all are valuable. So me as a organization, I need to keep you around. And I still think what Sterling said was right. Man, Winston just hit him real hard because at the beginning of the movie, John Wick says, I want to stay alive so I can remember my wife. And then he says, well, if the only thing you're doing is being the Baba Yaga and killing people, then how are you really remembering your wife? Because that's not the man that she fell in love with. 
So go ahead and be an assassin. But man, you're not really honoring your wife's memory. You're just a slave to the table. And I think that was good. And then when they're talking to the adjudicator, she goes, oh, I understand why you did this. This was a show of strength. And she weighed the pros and cons and said, all right, you can come through. But let's go back to the beginning of this. John Wick's ass is the whole reason this happened. So you got to give me another blood price and kill this motherfucker. And Winston played John Wick, plain and simple. He played him. And if that doesn't happen, we don't get a John Wick 4. Jaston doesn't want a John Wick 4 to happen. Boo this man! Boo! What? (laughs) That was funny, but good argument. I mean, it was a solid argument. And like I said, it's not a perfect argument, but I'm just, you know, pacing-wise and story-wise, you immediately did something and then, boom, two scenes later, bam, we went back on what we just did. So, like I said, maybe even some spacing. I'm not even saying it shouldn't have happened, but maybe even some spacing just might have helped uh, the the chop off, I'm swearing fealty back to the table. Maybe that would have just had more levity if it wasn't immediately gone back on a few scenes later. That's all I'm really saying. I mean, I, you could keep it the same way, but maybe if that was earlier, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause it was just immediately right back. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And this is a nitpick, dude. Like, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, most of maybe it would have, but I just don't see it as a necessary change. That's just me. I just, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying on, on you know, that, you know what no, I mean? I'm totally got okay. you. Shit. We've taken a long time. Okay. All right. Got you too. All right. <laughs> Heather. Your turn. So this is going to be interesting um, because my my one thing that I was going to say was my issue with this movie is the fact that um, there there wasn't a lot of dialogue with John Wick. And prefacing this, I will say that that's since changed since your argument earlier about the point of why they do that, where they just don't want to give you the full story. They don't want to do that exposition where it's not necessary. And hearing that explanation actually really kind of changed a lot of my view of that issue, because you're right. It's that they're telling the story that they need to tell, you know, and for all for all intents and purposes, John Wick is a man of action. He's not a man of words, you know, because like you said, he's got that focus and he's got that determination and that just that will that he has. And so looking back on it, my argument was going to be just that, you know, he he says John Wick just says less in this movie than any other characters, really. And he's the protagonist. So it was just like, you know, maybe a little bit of more dialogue from him would be good just to kind of get more of a feel of who he is and how he thinks about things just because I'm a dialogue person. But hearing that explanation and just what this movie is, it actually does make more sense now thinking about it that, you know, that's not really necessary. And they did, you know, they did tell that story that they needed to tell with it. And they didn't have to do a lot of that exposition and the, the you know, talking about everything and not so much that I want them to explain more of the things because I like how it's subtle and you figure it out as you're going, but just more of, you know, this is where I'm at. And like, hey, I'm tired. I've been fighting all day. I don't want to do this anymore. Or just more of like where he's at in his own mind. So that was going to be really my only um, dislike, if if I could even call it that, because there's not, like you guys said, anything really to dislike about this movie at all. So that was just going to be my one thing that I would say maybe just a little bit more dialogue between him and 
you know, just more conversation with other characters um, with that. But I retract it because you're right. It just for what this movie is, you don't need that. And you can root for this character and feel like you connect with him without that, which is a really like awesome thing to say that they did with this movie. So, um, yeah. And again, just maybe being a little bit nitpicky, like Jason said, um, the ending when Winston, you know, kind of turns on him and tries to kill him, you know, to prove his point to the high table and everything. Um, I mean, obviously, my first thought was there's no way he would have survived that after everything he just went through and all of his injuries throughout the film. But that aside, because that's the awesome thing about John Wick is like, you're like, nope, he's kind of invincible. He just never dies. So I guess really my my thing with it would have been maybe just a little bit longer of like worry of, oh, no, they actually killed John Wick. A little bit lingering, just a little tiny bit, maybe a few more minutes of lingering before they revealed that he moved from the street, you know, just kind of like give you that like a little bit more concern of, oh, no, this is it. Is this it? You know, um, so maybe just lingering that a little bit before they went directly pretty much immediately into, oh, he's dead. And then like two seconds later, they look out and he's gone. So maybe if they had given a little bit more suspense with that, maybe that would be the only thing. But otherwise, you're right. Like, it's a really great movie and there's not really anything to dislike about it. I just want to say he was removed by the Bowery. The homeless assassins picked him up and took him away. He didn't do it on his own force of will. That's it. Right. But I, yeah, no, I just mean like just before he was taken away from the street, just lingering a little bit of maybe he's actually dead before he was just gone when she went to look for him. But yeah, I get what you mean. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, Heather, keep it going. What's your score and recommendation for this movie? Um, My score, I'm going to give it 90 shattered glass cases on John Wick's back out of 100. Uh, great movie. Like I said, it's my favorite of this series of movies here. Um, I recommend it. Obviously, if you have seen the first two, this is going to be, you know, just as awesome as the others, if not better. Um, I just, yeah, like I, I, I do recommend it, but I do think that it is necessary probably to watch the other two first, just so that you're not lost on who certain characters might be. Um, but yeah, so otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you just like good action movies, you can watch it, but it's just going to be better if you've seen the other two first. Justin, your turn. Cool. So overall, I give this movie a 91 knives <laughs> being thrown into somebody's back, then thrown into somebody's hands, then thrown into somebody's arms, then thrown uh, into their chest, and then finally thrown into their head out of 100. So I really appreciated this movie. I thought that this was awesome. Um, if anybody doesn't know me, I'm a huge anime uh, martial arts um fighting uh, type of person. Uh, my favorite video games are fighting games. And hell, I'm a pro wrestler. So when it comes to being able to perform and showcase athleticism and moves and martial arts and fighting and stuff like that, I mean, this is kind of my shit. So this is right up there with um, really probably one, one of 
the most enjoyable movies that I saw that I've seen all year. I think I can easily say that. Um, it's definitely up there in one of my tops for this year. Uh, I highly recommend this to anyone who's just looking for that fighting fix, that fix of action. If you're not satisfied with the Marvel movies, if you're not satisfied with just the Fast and Furious movies, if you're looking for something that kind of is a different formula and unique and it's just well shot and it's just artful how they do the fighting and the action. This is definitely going to be up your alley. You're going to be happy with this. If you're a fan of the first two movies, of course you got to see this one. You got to see what happened in this third movie and I almost guarantee that you're going to walk out excited as we are for what's to come for John Wick. So again, highly recommend it. And like Heather said, yes, you do need to watch the other two. Um, if you haven't seen those, you're not going to enjoy this one as much. So make sure you catch those it won't take any time at all to binge watch those real quick and then go to the movie and enjoy some john wick part three devin your turn i'll give this movie 90 syndicate gold coins out of 100 go see it man all you guys are weak this movie is the best movie i've seen all year it's infinitely better than that fucking steaming pile of bullshit that was fucking avengers endgame <laughs> it's just it's great. It's amazing. It's just the John Wick franchise is just keep getting better. It just somehow just never feels stale. It's just great. 99 John motherfucking Wicks out of 100. Wow. And on that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to Cinema Slayers. We uh, check us out on www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Cinema Slayers on Facebook. Check us out wherever you want to listen to podcasts. We are probably there. And if we're not, let me know. I'll make sure we are there. So, you know, we've got a lot of things coming your way. We've got a lot of podcasts coming your way. We will be starting a Patreon that will be having bonus episodes for you guys. But don't worry if you don't subscribe to the Patreon. We will release those in about a month after they're released on the Patreon into the regular feed. So, you know, just so you know that that way you don't have to contribute to get those episodes. You will get the content just a little bit later. Um, and other than that, we, you know, check uh, out a future podcast that will be coming away, which is Sterling versus the world. It is me debating a guest on a movie that they choose and they are choosing my position on the movie, whether or not it's good or bad, or it might be two movies versus each other, all these different things. It'll be a fun little setup. There'll be, you know, quicker episodes in this because there are time restrictions on it. So make sure to check that out whenever that comes out. And other than that, guys, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Bye. Thank you.